welcome to today's Meet the Artist interview. I'm Caroline Giese, the Artistic Administrator at San Francisco Ballet. We are here at the War Memorial Opera House before a matinee performance of Program 6. It is April 10th, 2016. This afternoon you will see Helgi Thomason's Prism, Alexei Ratmansky's Seven Sonatas, and Christopher Wielden's Rush. So welcome to all of you and to those who will eventually listen to this podcast online. I'm very happy to be here today with principal dancer Juan Boada. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Originally from Havana, Cuba, Juan joined San Francisco Ballet as a principal dancer in 1999 after serving as a guest artist with the company for several seasons. Any introduction I'd attempt would not be very thorough. So, Juan, why don't you start telling us why you started dancing? <laughs> How did you start dancing? <laughs> um, <clears throat> hi, sorry. Um, I was born a little early. I was premature, about almost three months. So my mom put We don't me have to go all the way back there. <laughs> okay. I, I was anxious to come out, so... <laughs> She herself was a ballet teacher at the time, and uh, she put me through ballet to, to make me do some type of uh, physical exercise. And uh, with time, because they take it really seriously in school, I started appreciating the, the, the exercises, the classes, the people that I have been surrounded with, and I continued the, the, the studies. And what was the most influential part of your training in Cuba? He's going to react that way to every question I ask. Um, <clears throat> well, as you can all know, uh, the Cuban ballet school is really strong for their male dancers. So I had an image of a complete panorama of ballet dancers that were really inspiring to me. And that was something that I was looking up for to be like. So I was always really inspired by Carlos Acosta, Jose Carreño, and, and so on. And I really wanted to be like them. So that was something that it really pushed me hard to, to continue and be my best. And how did you come to San Francisco? Um, San Francisco, I think Helgi saw me first dancing in Europe. And uh, he, was, uh, he, he proposed to me to come dance as a guest artist for gala, one of the uh, performances for the beginning of the seasons. And uh, once I performed the first time, I really enjoyed the city. He invited me over a second time. And I started really enjoying myself with the people here. And I had a, another friend, Gennady Nedvigin, who was uh, formerly in Jean Ballet de France, where I was dancing. So after he told me a couple of gossips about the company, I was, oh, maybe I want to be there. <laughs> no, no, the repertoire of the company was really interesting to me. I, I went all over Europe trying to find a company uh, to be based at. And uh, after auditioning in different places, uh, it felt like home when I came to San Francisco. So I decided to stay here. That's better. <laughs> And from Swan Lake to La Bayadere, Forsyth, Balanchine, you're known for being a very versatile dancer. But you make it look very easy. <laughs> so what has been the most challenging role or roles for you? Well, as I say, with the ballet in Cuba, it's really classically trained, really strong. So all those ba classical ballets were much easier for me to, to take on than Forsyth, who's really physical in a different way, uh, crazy music to understand, 
uh, a lot of the Balanchine pieces with uh, Stravinsky that are really hard to count, which I cannot do at all, not even to eight. And sometimes I count to 12. Uh, so for me, it was like a challenge of learning the music like perfectly to every note, so I was able to stay always on music and at the same time with the other dancers. And do you have any favorite roles? Well, since you all know I'm retiring, I really don't have a favorite role. I really enjoy everything I have danced here, but some of the things that I created with my other dancers here, like Don Quixote with Lorena, that was one of the one really special roles that I got to dance here in the company, and it was something that fit me really well from the time being in Cuba that I got to dance a lot. Um, Romeo and Juliet's beautiful story ballet. So any, anything that has a story behind that you can put a little bit of your own into the role is one of the most... Uh, likable for me. And so this program that they'll see today, program six, you dance the Pontadon Wielden's Rush. And you've worked with Chris Wielden a lot throughout your career and even the premiere of Cinderella a few years ago with Masha. Um, what's it like to work with Chris Wielden? Chris Wielden is, is, is really smart as a choreographer. He has a lot of things already prepared. He knows the music really well. So he tries to put all his steps into the music that will fit easily for us to, to, to do. So, and he's also a really young choreographer. So it's really easy to, to have a conversation with him. It's really easy to have an understanding of what you can and what you cannot do, which sometimes is really difficult with people that want you to do something that you're really not so good at. Um, <laughs> With Rush, uh, a, I just took on, on this year, and uh, everything they tell you is don't rush, but the ballet is called Rush. <laughs> <laughs> and all you want to do is just move really fast because the music drives you crazy. But it's, it's a, uh, for the ballet itself, it's really slow and really beautiful, super kind of emotional without having a story behind, but you get to connect to your partner to make it really intimate in the, those dark lighting. So Christopher is, is, uh, is a really wonderful person to work with. It's really and so that work premiered in 2003 at the Edinburgh Festival. We did that premiere, and, but it still seems so relevant today. So what should they look for when they watch this piece? Well, as I said before, try, like I cannot count, so try, imagine what the dancers are going through in that first movement, because <laughs> the music is really fast, and there is a lot going on. There's a lot of patterns, there's a lot of fast movement, arms, a lot of jumps, so look, look at the really, not the struggle, but how can we make it beautiful so fast and without an effort, but we are trying really hard. <laughs> That's what ballet is all about, right? Yes. <laughs> so as John mentioned, he is retiring at the end of this repertory season. And I know many of you have followed his career from the beginning. And, and so you have wonderful memories of him performing in Romeo and Juliet, Basilio and Don Quixote. But John, what are some of your favorite memories on this stage? That's kind of the same question you asked me before. <laughs> that, was, that was favorite. <laughs> Or memories off the stage? Off the stage. <laughs> I will remember the late nights. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, what I'm taking most out of this um, really amazing time in my, in my life is, is the friendship I have created with most of the dancers. They become your family because we, we really spend most of the day in the studio together and after on stage. So it's those relationships that you create through years that 
they make your family. And that's one thing that I'm going to have to put aside for a while and hope I can come back and watch them dance and enjoy their performance as a, an audience like you guys. And so as a very seasoned principal dancer, do you see yourself as a, as a coach, as a mentor to other dancers? I will be working on all those things. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, I will go into Florida and going to be working with uh, Taras Dimitri's mom, who was my teacher in Cuba. She's having, uh, she has her own school in Florida for the past 15 years, and she's one of the most wonderful persons I, I will credit to, to my dancing. Uh, so I, she will mentor me. She will, like, in a different way right now. I have all the information that she gave me through all those years, but I really want to become a good teacher and coach. So I think it would be a nice transition for me to go back to the roots with that Cuban training and put my own that I got to be doing here in San Francisco and other companies. And before you leave this company, what advice would you give to a young dancer in this company? <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the best advice you can give to a young dancer is to never give up. Because uh, sometimes you feel that it, there's not being fair with you, they don't give you enough opportunities when you're trying your hardest, but with, only with hard work you're gonna achieve what you want. So it's not by getting yourself down and not being able to produce the, your best dancing that you're gonna move on. So keep pushing, they still watch you even if you're in the back. So no, wor no worries, it will happen to you. <laughs> That's good advice. So if you had not been a ballet dancer all of these years, what else would you have done? <laughs> the dagger is coming out of his eyes right now. <laughs> I just say that being here all day, all night. <laughs> no, I, I, I had a few um, hobbies, I guess. I, I started um, cycling, I done a lot of that. I golf, which take a lot of time, so you're hoping not to have a lot of rehearsals so you can go and golf in the afternoon. But that never happens. So cycling was a little better. You, you don't need as many hours. And uh, also cooking. One of the times that I was injured, uh, I was like fascinated with the food channel. So I got really like crazy. <laughs> and I got fat. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so I took a lot of cooking classes. Um, and uh, I got to, to meet some local chef. Her name is Joanne Weir. And she invited me over to do some cooking shows with her on TV. So that was an experience that was really gratifying to me as well as really uh, enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to cook all those things in the morning and eat it right away, but it was really enjoyable. <laughs> okay, now I know all of you have a lot of questions for Juan, so I will open it up to questions a little earlier. Uh, yes, right here. The question is, do you sense a difference between an audience in Cuba and the audience in San Francisco? The, the Cuban audience are like fanatics. They know, <laughs> they know every step. If you do something wrong, they scream at you almost from the audience. <laughs> but when you do well, they acclaim you like, like you're in a football stadium. It, it's a different type of respect to the performer. It's a different type of... Uh, uh, connection with them. They really try to be really personal. But here is more civilized. People, even though they, <laughs> they do enjoy the show as much and they, they follow you through your career, they, 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 it's a welcoming sense, a, a, yeah, feeling. 
The question is if the opening of Cuba will change your life. Um, it, it probably will because I haven't been able to go back to Cuba since I left in 1994. Well, well it's not that sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got, it, it, Cuba is this small. I got to travel the whole world doing my job, so it's not that bad. Uh, but uh, uh, in the past two years, my mom came back from uh, Belgium, who she, she was living with my brother, to Cuba. So now it would give me a chance to go back there, visit, and actually get back to, to my roots a little bit. question is how you left Cuba. <laughs> well, they did let me go, but not to where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on tour with the Ballet National of Cuba in Mexico, but I already had an offer to go to Paris to dance with the Jean Ballet de France. So it was a little leap of faith and say, okay, you're going to get a job over there, but you're li leaving a lot of things behind. So it's, it was not a troublesome situation for me, myself. But for my family a little bit, they didn't allow my parents to travel for a couple of years, and my brother, they put him through a stressful situation in the ballet school when it happened, yeah. And so you've talked about traveling the world, mm -hmm. dancing, and you've performed at, as an international guest artist. We've gone on tour around the world with San Francisco Ballet. Um, what will you miss about Having to pay for the ticket. <laughs> there, is, there is nothing more wonderful than going to a different country without having to pay for it. <laughs> That's how I take traveling with the company. It's one of the benefits you get as a, as a dancer in a wonderful company like this. Um, yeah, mostly. Okay. Yes. Andy. If I can summarize this question, <laughs> it is how do dancers as athletes fuel themselves? Well, you, you put it in a, in a complete... Co yeah, and, okay. and, and, and compared to, to a female dancer. To easy zone. <laughs> um, and uh, like you said, as an athlete, not me, but any other athlete, they burn so many calories a day. They, they, when Michael Phelps was preparing for Olympics, they, he was like eating like 10,000 calories for breakfast. <laughs> Something that I would love to do. I don't get that as close as that. But um, for the male dancer, uh, we, need, we need protein to, to keep those muscles strong. And if you don't get to eat that, you're really gonna weaken your body, your bones is gonna start to hurt even more, and it's not healthy for you. As the girls, it's, it's, it's like a, 
it's a really shady idea of why you should be or not. It's up to you how you deal with your body and with your diet. If you need to lose some weight, it's better not to eat burgers and fries, but if that's what you like, that's how, why, how your body is going to burn it. So forcing yourself to eat something that is not good for you is not going to change anything, I think. That's how I see my diet, if protein, veggies, a little bread, because I love it. I was living in Paris and Cuba, they have a lot of bread. I cannot live without it. I eat a croissant, chocolate croissant every morning for the past 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to go on biking and burning those things off. <laughs> okay, uh, on April 17th, next Sunday, there will be a special farewell celebration performance for Juan, uh, Ned Vegan and Pascal Morla. And you guys have chosen the repertory that you're going to perform with Helgi. And so how did you choose the pieces? Well, as you say, it was a collaboration of ideas between the, the four of us, pretty much, because we wanted to put together something that you guys have enjoyed through our time here dancing and something that we actually enjoy also ourselves. And uh, we got to dance a few of those pieces through our career here together. Gennady, myself, or Pascal and I, or the, all the three of us together. So that was a, a way to figure out, going back in memory, reading programs and say, what did we do before? What can we do for this performance? So I think we got, I mean, with, with three dancers, you can only put so many pieces because otherwise we're actually going to retire you know, to, to a hospital. <laughs> we we want to dance well for you guys, but we cannot kill ourselves either. Uh, so we, we pretty much are going to do like three pieces each, and some of them are with partners, some of them are solos, and uh, I hope you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, was there a question? Surprise. <laughs> you, you all know them pretty well. <laughs> yes, another question. Thank you, thank you. That's a wonderful tribute. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the <laughs> what? Yeah. You go ahead. It, it was mostly what I said before as an advice for a young dancer, never give up. And uh, Sandy was saying that I got injured before and I was a little down on myself. She was asking me how I was feeling uh, inside of me and I say, well, I'm trying to do what I need to do to come back and do my job the best I can. And, and I say, but if it happens again, I'm not gonna stop there, I'm gonna fix it and I'm gonna go back in there because that's who I am, that's what I need to do. Thank you. The question is, how did you know it's, it was time to retire? You don't have to answer. No, 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 no. It's, it's not. It's not a. It's a hard question to know when and, and why and how. 
but uh, Secret Sans is happening that uh, it's time for me. I need to move on and start something new. I don't want to wait 10 more years putting myself through the repertoire that San Francisco Ballet has here, not performing my best. And it's, it's something that I want to like, really have a choice also and when to start my next career. I cannot wait that much. And uh, dancing with the repertoire the company has is really hard in your, in your body. And I think you, you, got, you guys got enough, no? It's <laughs> <laughs> no. time for me. No more makeup. <laughs> yes. You have to cover your tattoos for performance. Well, have you ever seen them before? <laughs> so yes. That answers it. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, sometimes I, I was afraid that through surgery I would lose my memory, so I wanted to poop from where I was from. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, some choreographers will say to you, uh, "You can leave your tattoos out," but it's not fair to to you guys to to put yourself in a different perspective of losing the, the, the connection with the ballet, what is it about, it's not about how personal who I am performing something, it's like the whole show. So having tattoos and all the things, piercing, they need to be completely put off and covered. Now I want to go back to something you said from the last question. You were referencing the repertory the company has now, and can you explain a little bit what you're talking about, and also how the company has changed since you came here 17 years ago. I think that's a question for Helgi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I, I, what I mean now as the repertoire is hard is, is because we get to dance so many different pieces, so many different styles at the same time sometimes. And uh, that requires a lot of effort mentally and physically, and since the this is for the opera, get out of this, the freaking theater so we can dance more. Um, and we don't have to pack so many performances on, in those months that we get to dance. That's, that's the hardest part. The company has really changed a lot. When I saw it the first time in, uh, in Paris, uh, it was a completely different generation of dancers. It was really demanding also. The programs were really well danced, but as time comes, there are more demands. The choreographers are asking you to do different things that they were doing before, and there is a lot of challenging situations for the dancers right now. And, and that's where sometimes injuries happen and there is a lot of, the load of work is really strong here in the company, which is great because otherwise you would get really bored. <laughs> More questions, yes. What is your next career going to be? What, what is your next career? Well, as I say before, I'm gonna try to be a ballet teacher and uh, a, a, and a ballet master if I get a chance to work with a, with a company, but I really enjoy passing uh, to the students because that's what they needed the most. Uh, we were really lucky in Cuba to have such a strong methodology of how to do ballet that once you finish the years of school, you're ready to dance. So there is not a weird transition in time and that you're missing a lot of time in there. With the company in Cuba and the school, you really are ready to do all the roles that you would perform here. So that's what I want to do. I want to pass that along and prepare those young dancers for the future. Any more questions for Joan? Yes. The question is whether Cuba still has a very strong school for ballet and how did that start? Um, 
Alicia Alonso and I think Igor Yushkevich and uh, Alberto Alonso started the Cuban school and company in the 50s and uh, or the, maybe the 40s, maybe 50s. And uh, I don't know really good in history. Um, and there, it was a mix of Russian school, French school, because Alicia Alonso was dancing at ABT. She had already a career in front of her and a lot of knowledge of what she wanted to do with that school. So they put, put together a program exactly like the Russians or the French, where they, they were required to finish eight years of school. If you're not good enough by the first year, you're out. If like that throughout all your eight years. So the, the methodology behind was really well thought and really strong and demanding for the students to become, especially since it was free, you have to be your best, otherwise you're out. And we're lucky to have a few dancers from that school too. Yes, we, we have uh, Carlos Kennedy, Lorena Fejo has been here with me as, as long as I've been here, uh, myself, Taras Domitro, and we had somebody else before, Jorge Esquivel, who was a teacher and a principal character dancer, who was Alicia Alonso's partner for the longest time in Cuba. So it shows you that throughout the years, they, they, there is a continuity of students and dancers coming out of that school that are ready to perform everywhere. And anywhere in the world, you get Cuban dancers that are really, really good. Yes, one more question. Who have your mentors been? As I said before, uh, Magali Suarez, who's Taras Dimitrios' mom. Uh, Ramona de Sa was the director of the school. And I had a few people in, uh, in France, Manuel Legree, principal dancer of Paris Opera, who mentored me, make me work really hard. I Cyril Atanasov. I mean, there were many teachers from France that like give me a little extra to my dancing that made me who I am today. So that's something that I want to bring out there. Well, I think we're all looking forward to seeing your final performances here at the Opera House. And please come to the performance next Sunday night for Joan, Gennady, and Pascal. <laughs> so thank you all for being here today. And make sure to check out all of our content online at sfballet.org. I hope you enjoyed the performance. Thank you.